Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Many of you might know the story of the movie Blindside. If you do know the story, it's about Michael Orr, a person who started in high school football and worked his way up to the NFL and played with the Baltimore Ravens for many years. Well, Michael Orr in high school had a coach that saw no use for him. Because even though he was a big, strong guy, he was just way too passive to be out there on the ball field. But his adopted mother, Mama Bear, she saw something the coach didn't. The minute the coach put him on the blind side of the quarterback to protect him, Michael flourished. And of course, this led to a stellar career. What would have happened to Michael and his story if his Mama Bear hadn't stood up for him, hadn't seen in him who he truly was and could be. Well, he probably would have listened to his high school coach. Probably would have never played the game again. Imagine the story if he had never found his true identity. My friends, the reality is that each and every one of us here has a similar story. Somewhere along the line, some well-meaning coach or teacher, parent or classmate, maybe they misidentified our identity and maybe we believed them. Some of us, if we were lucky, we had a mama bear or some other angel in our life who saw our true identity and helped us to discover it. But I know there's others of you here who have your heart racing right now because you have a feeling that maybe your identity was mislabeled. Maybe you feel that you've got a sense inside you that you're not living up to your full potential. What if? What if you were destined for more? What if you were fashioned for greatness or created for a higher power? One of the oldest and most perpetuated questions of humankind and the question we will focus on today is, who am I? Who am I? Because this is a core question that comes out of every philosophy and is proposed by every religion because it's a relentless question of every individual. Here from Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, which will be our thematic verse for the day. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You might notice I've got three words there are highlighted. Those are words that we're going to work through in our time that we have left this morning. These words are going to be key for us to understanding our identity and our God-given purpose. Now, Genesis 1.26 may be one of the most curious but most important verses in the entire Bible. Notice how it begins. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. You see, the God of the Bible from the very beginning is described as a community. And I have to point out, too, there seems to be no argument against the original Hebrew using these plural forms of us and our. No one is calling a mistranslation foul here. So God is somehow, in a way we don't understand, he's somehow we and not just me. Now, unless you're a, a loner by nature, being part of a community is going to seem natural and normal. Maybe even if you are someone who prefers to be alone, 
There are going to be at times in your life some internal push to be part of a group of like-minded folks, maybe Loners Anonymous or something like that on Facebook. That's why we have clubs and teams. That's why we have groups and gangs. That's why we see so many young people today returning to a kind of online tribalism to find identity in new groups. Because we actually need to be part of a group. And it all started with God. We're not merely social beings craving community. We actually need it. We need a place to belong. To be part of a collective in community with each other. The word communion. Community. So by nature, we, like God, are more we than me. Now, particularly in the Western world, we focus more on the me aspect. Watch any advertisement on TV, it's about me. Even if you ask someone to introduce themselves, listen to the kinds of things that will be said. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm a pastor. I like biking and singing. I have a wife and three kids, a beautiful wife who's here today, by the way. Whose birthday. (laughs) Whose birthday it is, yes. On and on it goes through every sentence. It begins with what? I. But friends, God created us for community. So our identity, not just our preference to be alone or with others, our identity is communal. Who am I? Well, I'm a father, a husband, a friend, a pastor, a partner, a teammate. Without my relationships, I don't seem to have an authentic identity. Now, I'm certainly not saying that you lack identity if you're alone, even if it's by choice or preference and not because of the pandemic. But we were made for community, by the divine community. And you see, when we lose this community, we start to lose our identity. You may wonder why in normal times, when all of our ministry activities are up and going and there is no COVID pandemic going on, we often will refer to and highlight the activities of the various ministry groups here at Zion. We have men's groups and women's groups. We have service groups, study groups. Some like music, others like food. Well, everyone likes food. We have card players, we got young, old, we have outreach focus, we've got the technology folks, and the list goes on and on. Why do we highlight these things so much? Well, it's because God wants us to be part of a group. God wants us to find ourselves as part of a group. I like the quote that says, your best self is when you know and are known. At Zion, our desire for you is to have a full and biblical identity among a group of people who share your goals and aspirations, to love God and love people, maybe even have a little fun along the way. This leads to another major and life-altering truth from our verse for the day. It's embedded in this phrase, our image. What does it mean when the Bible says we are made in the image of God? And granted, this is tough. This is difficult to understand. How can we be made in the image of God? It certainly isn't physical, because God is a spirit. So that can't be it. But I want to look for just a minute at some of the characteristics that we share with God. Let's get specific, because we know that there are characteristics that we don't share with God, that God alone has, like omnipotence, meaning all-powerful. Friends, you and I don't have all power. Or omniscience, 
We don't know anything or everything. Omnipresence. We can't be everywhere at all times unless you're that super mom that's able to do all those things at the same time and get it all done. But there are characteristics that we do share with other creations on this planet, like animals. Animals and us, we both feel fear. We both experience cold and hunger. We feel connected to the same species. But I'm not interested in those things that we share with animals or don't share with God. What I'm interested in is those characteristics that we as humans do share with God as an intellectual, self-determining, rational being. Maybe, maybe that's a good definition of the image of God. So what are some of those characteristics look like? Well, the first characteristic I'm going to talk about today is art. Artistic creativity is a characteristic we share with God. Only humans out of God's creation create art. Well, there are things and animals and so forth that make nice-looking things, but humans actively set out to create art, and we do it all the time. There's nowhere that you can go where you're not surrounded by some kind of art. Look around yourself today. I looked at the stained glass windows last night, and they look a lot different when there's darkness outside. But I said, come back during the day, and you'll see they are beautiful. We put paintings in our walls. We add splashes of color to our homes. We plant things around our property, and we try to dress with the current styles. Now, some of us are better at that than others. Our cars, our offices, our homes, our churches are all decorated with a human representation of something that looks nice, of something that's beautiful. And of course, we create sanctuaries of art. We call them museums. How often have you looked at the day or the night sky and said, whoa, that's just beautiful? Because we know, my friends, that God is the premier artist. And guess what? You and I are like him. The next characteristics we share with God is time. The characteristic of time. What's the first thing you do in the morning? If you're not retired, you probably look at the clock to see what time it is. Why is it so important to us? Because we have watches, we have phones, we have clocks, we have sundials. And why? So we can dissect our days, so we can count them on a calendar, so we can memorialize them with birthdays and anniversaries. It's hardwired into us to celebrate time. Yeah, God uses time even though he exists outside of time. Again, another very interesting and challenging concept for us. God is outside of time. We're living inside of time. So we live in the moments you and I have eternity in our hearts. We're going to live forever. We have the ability to bring the past forward and the future near in our memories, in our thinking, back and forth. The third characteristic we share with God, meals. We love to eat. Now out in nature, there are often feeding frenzies with fish or lions or birds, but it's nothing like the meals that we share as humans no animal sets a time for a meal with the family. None of them pull out the special china for the holidays. And friends, this idea of communal eating one with each other is very significant. Because if you think about in the Bible all those times where a meal is involved, whether it be the Old Testament, New Testament, whether we're talking about Jesus in the upper room for the Passover meal, whether we're thinking of Isaiah's spectacle, 
Each one of these meals is spiritually significant. Let's just look at Isaiah's. Isaiah 25, 6 says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast. A feast of what? Well, it's going to have rich food for all people. A banquet of aged wine. The best of meats and the finest of wines. What's the first thing we're going to do when we get to the new Jerusalem? It's going to be a banquet. It's going to be a meal. I think that's why one of the few universal features of every Christian church throughout history has been the Lord's Supper, the sacrament of the altar, where we come and share in the Lord's meal. One final characteristic, and that is language. God uses language to communicate his love to us and asks us to do the same for others. No other animal has this advantage. Although certain apes have been taught sign language and some aquatic mammals have advanced calls, and they certainly call to each other and have warnings to each other, there is no animal that writes poetry. No birds truly sing. They call to each other, and they mimic some of the sounds that they hear. But that's a far cry from creating a melody or telling a story, composing a play, rhyming words, or writing a novel. We alone, out of creation, share this characteristic with God. So now if we take all four of these characteristics, art, time, eating, linguistics, if we take all four of those together, something's going to surface that is hopefully truly telling. Because each of these four things is kind of normal kind of everyday, kind of mundane, and doesn't God do his best work in the mundane? Simple wine and simple bread, simple water. Yeah. Jesus did some of his best teaching in the mundane, sitting and eating with the sinners, talking to the needy, sharing stories, being with people. Every moment of every day in the smallest of ways, you and I are like God. Let me say that again. We are most like God in our most mundane moments. Now let's say a final thing from our verse for the day, Genesis 1, 26. One final idea, and that's the word of dominion. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, it goes on to say. God designed us to rule over his creation. And look at the word carefully. The word is dominion, not domination. We are not called to dominate creation, but to steward it, kind of to foster it, to improve it. We are to be caretakers of, not simply end users of, God's creation. God designed the human species, the very pinnacle of his creation, to make something out of everything else he had provided for us. Not merely to protect what God made, but continuing to improve and implementing it in community, in with the characteristics that God has given us. Here's an incredible thought. God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, we know that. He then charged we, Adam and Eve, and us to make a world out of all the stuff at our disposal and under our care. It is our divine right. It is our responsibility to make a world. And friends, we certainly have, haven't we? 
I mean, look at the cities around the world. Look at the music that we have, the art, the education, the technology, the transportation. These are all works of our heart, our hands, and our mind that extend the creation of God to become reflective of his good nature. Now, obviously, our sin nature has wasted some amazing resources on all sorts of things that wouldn't be needed if it were not for sin. The military. No offense, Padre. Medicine, the police, politics, lawyers, prisons. Without sin, none of these things would be necessary. Again, this isn't a criticism of those occupations or those in those careers. Those careers are certainly needed in our sinful world today. But imagine a world where all of our efforts were for positive communal development. And as Christians, you and I have this fabulous and incredible opportunity, especially as a local church, to model to a community, to be devoted to pure compassion and social responsibility, to love to everyone, so that even the evil around us on all sides can be turned into opportunities for us to shine the pure light of God and the pure love of God into our community. Communities that are reeling from the effects of brokenness in our world. Refer back to sermon number one of the day. See, it's our responsibility as the people of God to curb the natural appetite for revenge. It's our responsibility to reduce racism and bigotry and hatred. It's ours to love the outsider and marginalized. It's ours to reduce the need for prisons and hospitals and the police departments. Not saying defund police. Let's reduce the need by teaching the people that love is a higher power. Perfect. Right on cue. After the George Floyd killing this summer, we had a few teams who went downtown to minister to that hurting community. And friends, that community is still there. It's still hurting. and still needing. We know that we're living through a pandemic, and there are obviously so many things we would want to do, but haven't yet found a way to do safely. But friends, we have been given stewardship, dominion over our little corner of the world. And we need to continue to be creative in how we serve, how we help, how we minister to our little corner of the world. So, what difference will you make today? What difference will this message make in your life today? Remember the idea that we are most like God in the mundane. The things that you do in the world, they don't have to be a colossal effort. It just needs to be you living a life in the nature of God. So here's our challenge for the day. I want you to identify one of those four characteristics that you share with God. Remember, you share them with your creator. Time, language, art, and meals. And if you forget them, as I did as soon as I walked down the stairs last night, you can always go back to the video to be reminded. (laughs) Think of one of these four things that you can use this week to create community, whether it's your family, work, a team, or a group, that will bring a little bit of heaven to earth. Don't race past this challenge. Use time. Calendar it. Make a plan for it. 
Choose a place and a people where you're going to exercise part of your divine nature for communal improvement. Something in the community. Let me give you just a few ideas quickly. I'm sure all of us know at least two people or two families. Maybe two families that need a little help. You might want to call them up and say, is there anything that you need? Is there any meals that I could prepare for you? Are there any appointment times that I could help you with? I'd love to talk with you. See if they have an answer. And if they don't have an answer, call back a few days later and bug them again. Have you thought of anything I can do for you? Another idea is you could write letters and send hand-drawn pictures to encourage those living in assisted living in nursing homes. They don't even have to be to people that you know. You can send them anonymously, send them just to Chapel View or Shalom or any of the neighborhood nursing care facilities. The one thing you want to do if you send something to Chapel View, just write a word of encouragement, a little note. Draw something. Maybe you've got kids in your family. Have them draw something. We love those. Make sure you send anything that you do. Send it to the activity director of the place that you're sending it to. I checked with a couple, and they're perfectly fine with us doing that. Do you know that Zion supports a Bethesda group home just a few blocks from here? Four middle-aged gals, and if you want to send me something to send to them, I'll get them what you want. Send them a note of encouragement. They're always looking for new ideas for fun, challenging little games or activities that they can do. If you've got some ideas, let me know. I'll be sure to get it to them. But remember, whatever you decide to do in this challenge this week, you are most like God in the regular, everyday, normal, mundane things. So what difference will you make today? In Jesus' name. Amen.